Welcome back to another episode of our Amateur Spotlight series here on Whiskey Thrill Media. I'm your host, Brent Bowser. Today we're here with Rockstar Energy Husqvarna's Casey Cochran. What's going on, Casey? How are you, man? Doing good. Hanging out, chilling. How are you? Oh, same thing. Trying to weather the storm <laughs> over here. Let's hope my internet doesn't go out. Before we get more into the racing side of things, just give us a little background about yourself for those who aren't familiar with you. Yeah, I'm uh, 16 years old. I currently live in Claremont, Florida. I think I did my first race when I was three or four. So, yeah, it's been a journey for sure, about 13 years at this point. So, ready to see what the next step offers and keep pushing forward each and every day to to get 1% better. It's been a, it's been a journey, and I, I first got into riding because I think it was it was a Christmas my my grandpa got me a, a little Sierra 50 and we've been just uh moving off the bikes and I've been at a racetrack every weekend since then so it's 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 been good are you originally from Claremont or did you guys move there well I I spent most of my childhood from when I was like two to nine in uh Arlington Tennessee so I I grew up there practically and then when I was about nine or 10, I moved to a Moto X compound and lived training there with Matt Walker for about three years. And then moved to Florida when I was 12 or 13. So we've been, we've been here for about four years now. And I, I definitely enjoying it here. The weather's nice and it's a great, great place to live. Yeah. And I think that's a spot where a lot of guys are at now, Claremont here. Everybody kind of relocating to the East Coast, specifically Florida. California used to be the, the hot spot, but how is Florida? Is it pretty enjoyable living there? Probably hot and humid at times and some rain, but is it, you like it? For sure. For sure. Super nice, especially right now. Right now it's 75 outside, so it's perfect, perfect weather for riding and, and going to play some golf and just other activities. So it's, it's really nice in the winter. The, the summers are a bit brutal. <laughs> a little yeah. bit. A little too hot for me, but we pushed through and it's it's good training. So I've I've enjoyed living here, especially with a lot of fast guys. I've got Roxon down the road, Dino down the road, and a few other guys, a few amateurs as well live right here. So it's it's definitely a little a little moto spot. Yeah, I think it's safe to say if you were if anyone was traveling to Claremont, they're probably bound to run into somebody out there. <laughs> probably. Well, that's cool. Did you ever attend public school or were you homeschooled pretty much your whole life? I did public school up until third grade. Right before we left Tennessee, I, I went homeschooled. So I haven't experienced any high school or anything. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's interesting. I always wonder um, for you guys that were in public school, you weren't obviously weren't in it too long, but then moved to homeschool. Do you ever miss being maybe what I would call a normal kid or are you glad you you're on the path you are now? I think about it occasionally. You know, I I always think about what uh, what my life would be like differently if I did go to school or and what would go down. I wouldn't trade what I do for anything because I get to wake up and do what I love every single day. How many kids get to get to go to a dirt bike track every day and ride rather than than go to school and sk- sit in school for seven to nine hours a day yeah, yeah. i know so i'd much rather go go to the track and ride my dirt bike than that so i wouldn't i wouldn't trade it for anything yeah and even as an adult not all of us get to do the things we love we have, we have jobs that we have to have to pay the bills we have but yeah you're in a you're in a unique spot a spot i think a lot of kids would want to be in and i think also where 
it is a different lifestyle and you do almost have to grow up quicker. Like you're only 16, but you have a routine, you have to train, you know, you have all these daily tasks, whereas like a normal 15, 16 year old, they're going to school and they're just hanging out with friends. So it's almost like you guys have to grow up a lot quicker than the other kids. Right. That's like people are always saying like these years when you're 16 or 17, but the best years of your life and how it's going to be, it's going to be so much different when you're older. But I mean, if I look at what I want to do in the next six years, it's the same as I'm doing now. Nothing's really going to change other than maybe living on my own. But um, my normal day will just be a normal day right now. Basically the the same old, same old. Yeah. And I think that's cool. And like I said before, a lot of people would love to be in that position. Do you ever play any other sports when you're little or have you just always been a moto kid? I, I remember one time uh, I was really little, maybe like seven or eight. My mom took me to a soccer field to do some soccer tryouts or something. And I wanted to go do it. And I got there to like try out and I was like, okay, never mind. <laughs> There's no dirt bikes here. So we left. <laughs> I don't, I don't even think I tried out or anything. And uh, yeah, I had nothing since then. But uh, every once in a while, we'll mess around. Like I have a baseball glove and football, just mess around with some friends, but nothing, nothing serious. Yeah. And I think that's pretty common. Once people get into riding, that's kind of their, their sport. You know, there's rare cases. I think RJ played baseball for a long time and then started taking it serious and racing later. But typically it seems like once you get in a moto, everything else, you're just like, nah, I'm good with that. So I think it's, it's pretty interesting. If you weren't a motocross racer, what would you want to be if moto wasn't on the table? I really enjoy. It. I've gotten into it the past uh, two years. Golf. I've been <laughs> playing a lot of a lot of golf. So if you want to say I play other sports, I guess I do play golf, but not competitively or anything, just for fun, obviously. But if I had to do something else, I would probably play golf. I've I've enjoyed learning it and getting very frustrated at it recently. So um, it's been a it's been a, a journey as well for that golf also and i feel your pain on those frustrating days and i and i think that's a lot of the industry or the racers and maybe it's always been this way but it seems like more and more people are golfing which i think is cool and i wish we can make something i don't know if you watch like the nfl pro-am they have a golf tournament in tahoe every year i think it'd be pretty cool to get all the pros and even you know some of the up-and-coming amateur kids that golf and have an annual motocross golf tournament i think that'd be pretty cool and entertaining maybe one day we'll see that I'd be so down for that. That would be, that would be sick. That would be, <laughs> I would really enjoy that. Yeah, no, that, that would be cool. I'm going to make a note of that. See if I can set that up. No. Um, <laughs> are you down at the Baker's factory in Florida? I am. Yep. Training with all the guys. So you were at Walker's before you said a couple other facilities. So you've been at facilities for quite a while now. Has there been any big difference going from the different facilities or just everybody has their own style of training? Um, well, the biggest difference for me is I was coming to Florida from Georgia because just that whole change was pretty huge and the the schedules were different. But right when we moved down to Florida, I started training at Moto Sandbox and I was there until last year. And the the schedules there aren't too much different, like riding schedules. We, we just ride uh, four days a week. But the, the biggest change for me recently in um schedule wise is just off the bike stuff with going to bakers it's a lot more off the bike training than on the bike honestly and that's been the biggest adjustment i guess but i've i've enjoyed doing doing all the work and and putting in the grind yeah and you hear stories back when 
you know, RV and Dungeon, those guys were down at Baker's Factory back when he was only doing those one or a few rider programs. Now there's a lot more people and more trainers, but is the workload more than you expected? Or were you actually surprised that maybe it's just more focus on certain things or is it just a grind? It's kind of what I expected. It's not too, too bad. The training, it's it's a ton, but it's more like no matter what the situation is, we're doing something. Like if we're not riding, we're we're doing a bike ride. Or if there's never really a day where you don't do anything, really. There's never a, a full rest day. Every day there's either a spin or a bike ride or a workout. So you just have to get used to that and be willing to put in the time. But it's it's not too bad as long as you keep up with your stuff and and do what all the guys do because you know there's there's not a better program out there so you know no one's no one's outworking you. Yeah, and I think it's definitely transformed over the past maybe let's say fifteen ten years, where in the beginning there's really only the top guys that had these trainers. I'm sure you know the other guys had some sort of training program, but now you have in Baker's Factory, you have the Sandbox, you have MTF, you have all these different training facilities. And I think it's really up the game and there's more parity in the class. There's more guys that can win because you're riding with faster guys, you're training with all the same guys. And so there definitely is a, a big advantage to being a program like that. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, for sure. All these these top guys in the amateur ranks and pro ranks now, you can look at the the pro ranks even for sure. There's it's a toss-up each night for who's all gonna win because we're all we're all putting in the grind and we're all putting in the work. So it just depends on whose night it is. And there's in the 450 class, there's probably like six, seven guys that could literally go go win a race, especially with seeing Ken win. There's some more guys like Anderson and Barsha that you know uh, have that speed to be up there, but it's just uh, time and place for them. And and even in the amateur stuff, we're all doing the same things. We're riding the same amount, and we're all going to be close no matter what. So you you got to be able to to get that extra step ahead of everyone. and be willing to go a little bit more than everyone else. Yeah, I don't think you can rely as much on talent anymore than hard work. I would say talent goes a long, a long way, but you know it only gets you so far. So I think it's it's obviously important to with all the the training and everything you're doing on and off the bike. It's it's definitely a lot different than it used to be. I'm sure they had a lot more fun back in the day, but now everybody's doing the same thing, so you can't really not do that, you know. So um, well, cool. I want to ask you some of these. This or that questions, they're fun. I've been adding them to the podcast and I just have a few of them. Um, so we'll start with the first one. And now that you've raced some Supercross, I know you did those two futures races we'll talk about in a few, but do you prefer Supercross or Motocross now that you've ridden both? I feel like it depends on the mood I'm in because like this past summer, when you're on the outdoor grind, just doing 30s every day in the heat, you're like, man, I could really go for some 10 lap motos on Supercross right now. And then when you're when you're in full supercross swing, you're almost like, man, I'd like to wind this bike out a little bit and get some speed up. But I feel like it really depends on the track. Like if there's a a really fun motocross track that I enjoy, then I I really enjoy riding that. And then some supercross tracks I I don't like. <laughs> so if there's some some tough supercross tracks, I'm like, no, I'm okay, and <laughs> I'd rather ride motocross. But then if it's a fun supercross track you know it's you're you're not gonna have much more fun it's pretty interesting that we grew up riding motocross our whole life and then you switch to supercross which i'm sure you guys have ridden supercross at a young age um compared to you know back in the day but it just i always wonder like the supercross has the appeal but 
motocross is more of the the roots of the sport. So I always just like to mm-hmm. get that pr- perspective. So uh, country or rap music? Oh, wow. Oh, that is a, that's a mood thing for sure. That's a mood <laughs> thing. I don't know. You know, sometimes I can go for some, some rap to get me hyped up uh, and ready to go. But then when we're just chilling out uh, with some country music, I don't mind it. I went to a, a Morgan Wallen concert last year and I was, that's the only concert I've ever been to, actually, and I really enjoyed it. I had a great time. So it depends on the mood. It's on a mood. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, especially if you're ever feeling sorry for yourself, you turn on a country jam and you, <laughs> it makes you feel a little better. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, uh, beach or mountains? Oh, my. Both. <laughs> you like, are, you, are you a snowboard and a surfer or you just I'm, like I'm the a- weather? I'm a snowboard and a surfer for sure. If we're if we're going like live, I would rather live at the beach than the mountains. But I love going on snowboard trips for like a week or something. I I like the snow for about a week and then, then I'm over it. Then I'm moving <laughs> back to some warm weather. Definitely TikTok <laughs> or YouTube. YouTube, one hundred percent. Okay. I mean, I I I spend probably too much time on TikTok than I should, but um, I can get carried away on YouTube too. And there's a Definitely more moto stuff to watch on YouTube, I feel like, than TikTok. Yeah, man, you can get down some rabbit trails on YouTube. There's something I'll start watching <laughs> yeah. cooking, cooking shows and I'm watching some some Fast and Furious Six or I don't even know. So. Yeah, I'll just sit there playing, then I end <laughs> up on some watching some little Indian guys build some house or something at the end. <laughs> yeah, it's it's wild and you you sometimes wonder how you even got there. <laughs> um yeah. X, Xbox or PlayStation. I've always I've always been a PlayStation guy. I have an Xbox and I have a PlayStation, but the past maybe four years, I, I got a computer for Christmas four years ago. So that's all I'm on now is just PC. I have a, a PS5 controller that I plug into my computer and play a bunch of games on here. So what game are you playing on there? Fortnite? I guess that's maybe a couple of years ago, but what are you playing on there? <laughs> I couldn't tell you the last time I booted up Fortnite. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> months ago maybe even a year i honestly haven't been playing games a lot recently just with how much has been going on and all the travel but all last year was a lot of mx simulator i was big into that with the the pro racing on mx sim and then a little bit of i racing i got my own little little wheel set up for like those f1 games and i racing so i enjoy doing that uh, i got pga oh yeah or 2k yeah got that game that i've been spending quite a bit of time on just those main three, I guess. Just driving sims, dirt bike games, and golf games. <laughs> yeah, that new, that new PGA Tiger Woods game is pretty pretty tough. I've been trying to play it, but a lot harder than the previous game, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> two more. Are you a spender or are you more of a saver of your money? I rarely spend money, I guess, unless there's like if I see some shoes or something that I like, I'm like, ooh, I really want those, and I might get them depending on. Uh, if I have some, but I, I still, if this answers your question, I think I still have some gift cards from like two years ago, Christmas that I haven't used. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah, that's good. When you turn pro, you're going to be like Sexton and how Bogle was rolling in with the, the outfits to the races, or are you just going to roll in with whatever? For sure. If I could, I would have rocked up with some, some, uh, sick outfit at Anaheim two or something for the future's race. I had on some, some, uh, custom air force ones but i don't know if anyone realized that or not but i felt i felt pretty stylish but i had to had to wear the rock star polo so i couldn't get too crazy with it right i know i always think it's cool whenever you saw pictures of like 
Colt or Bogle or even Sexton now, right? They they roll in with a pretty cool outfit that makes just something different. I think it's not, it's cool to have different personalities in the sport. Sure, for sure. Well, last one, and I've asked this one on every one of them, Coke or Pepsi? I know you guys probably aren't drinking a lot of soda, but if you had to pick. I honestly don't drink soda at all, but my favorite, I mean, I'm going to say this for my mom's sake, probably. Probably Coke over Pepsi. I'd say Coke is the the better one for if I am going to have a soda. But if I have to drink a soda, I would go for uh, Dr. Pepper. Okay. Yeah, it's the, Coke's been the answer between those two the, every time I've asked. So that's pretty interesting. What is a cheat meal that you would have? You, know, you can't do a whole lot with that Baker's Factory program. But if no one knew and you're able just to pick and eat it, what would it be? I love me a good pizza. Okay. I love pizza. If that's considered a cheat meal. I guess it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I love pizza, I guess. I guess that's what I would go with. Are you guys on a pretty strict diet down there? I know some of the, the pro guys are. Me, personally, just because I'm still growing, it's not too bad. Just don't eat garbage. Alden and Mike, they don't really care too much what I eat because I'm still needing to gain weight. So That's probably nice. You listen to some of those stories where no red meat, no dairy, so many restrictions. It's like, man, it's probably tough to stick to. I'm sure those guys... I'm sure those guys have hidden stuff somewhere that they can eat, but uh, for the most part, it's got to be pretty (laughs) tough. I I don't know if I could do it. Uh, I don't think I don't think I could give up a nice steak. No, or some cheese. No dairy is a little crossing the line for me. I could just go for a nice glass of milk. I love milk, so that's a little far too. Yeah, that's that's a lot of dairy. Well, cool. Um, We'll kind of get back in the racing side of things. Before we record, we were talking about you just got back from the Spring Nationals there in Texas. Uh, how did that go for you? Yeah, pretty solid. We definitely learned some stuff and got some some more racing under our belt because I haven't had much time on the bike or even gate drop. So it's good to to get more comfortable and confident and, and get to race against some fast guys. So I enjoyed it, got some wins, and ready for the next one. Yeah, and what classes were you racing there? I was in 250B, 450B, and Schoolboy 2. I won all three at Freestone and then Springeding. I won 450B and then got second in both Schoolboy 2 and 250B. I was leading the last one and it fell with like two to go or something. So that was unfortunate, but uh, yeah, it is what it is. Well, cool, man. I've heard your name coming up, but man, what really sticks out in my mind is that super mini that you had in 2021 at Loretta's. That thing was trick what was that probably one of the coolest bikes you've ever had that gas gas super mini for sure that thing was so we we planned that for a long time it would have been maybe a couple months before we got uh i was telling my dad i wanted to build a six super mini because that's the that was the first year i got to do we were we were on our own we had our own our own deal we were buying bikes and everything so we got to do whatever we want with the the way the bike looked because all previous years I was, I was on Suzuki and they kind of just control what the bike looks, but that was the first year I got to do what I want. And I came up with the idea of, uh, the red, the red and black and with the, the triple clamps. And I think we actually got a, a carbon fiber tank for it to run it. And, uh, it turns out it wasn't legal to run. So we didn't know we oh. couldn't run it, but that would have been a nice touch too. But we had that thing. That thing tricked out and I, I planned it months in advance with the graphic kit and everything. And I was 
I was stoked on how it came out and and Grizz Grizz put that thing together beautifully for sure. Yeah, that's probably one of the coolest bikes I've seen in a, in a while. Too bad um, I only got to do one moto on it. I was going to ask you <laughs> uh, that is how did it go? Was it the very first moto that you got hurt? No, I I did the the first moto and got second behind Hayden. And it was actually a really good moto for me. I think I had maybe not the fastest lap, but I, it was close. I definitely didn't get dropped or anything, hung in there from a bad start. And then it was the first moto of Superman 2. And I pulled the whole shot and then went down, uh, like washed the front in the third turn, went to last and then went around the track, whatever. And then the triple into Storyland, some kid like doubled it and crossed over under me and I just landed on him and then got thrown into the ground. So it was tough from getting the whole shot to dead last and then out of the race that fast all in one lap. Yeah. And what happened? What did you injure in that wreck? I broke six ribs and punctured my right lung. It's actually it, just six ribs and puncture my lung. When you got up or when you were laying there, did you know there was something wrong? You know, puncturing a lung is a pretty big deal. Um, were you kind of freaking out? Honestly, probably like one of the worst injuries I've had. Cause when I was, I got up, like crawled off the track and then just laid there. And uh, I don't know if you ever had the wind knocked out of you or not, but whenever you get the yeah. wind knocked out of you, it's like uh, puncturing a lung is like that, but. 10 times worse. It's like you can't breathe, but then it just never comes back. So you're just dying, like sitting there dying. And then you try and go to breathe and you just can't. And a big part of it too was when my ribs broke, my rib punctured my lung and some blood went into my lung. And so it immediately made me have to like feel like I had to cough. But from my ribs being broke, me even talking hurt. So I couldn't like cough it up. So it just felt like something was stuck in my throat. And then it was not not fun. Did you have to go through that experience of them? I'm sure you did. Reinflating that lung? Yeah. Right when I got there, they put in a little chest tube to get everything out. And I had that in there for a few days. And that actually, it wasn't too, too bad, I guess. I was a little nervous for them pulling it out because by the time they were pulling it out, I was feeling like a lot better and actually back alive. But I remember after the crash, it was pretty painful at the beginning, but then they gave me something like in the ambulance on the side of the track. And they told me they were going to airlift me. I was like, huh, if this is going to like cost a lot of money, I'm, I feel all right. Just drive me. I was like, <laughs> I don't need to be airlifted. Like it's not that bad. And, but I didn't have a choice. They, they kind of told me what to do. So by the time we landed, I was like making a few little jokes and stuff because I was feeling a bit better. I guess. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think there's the worries with the way a one puncture long is if, if the other one goes and you're kind of yeah. in a bad situation. So yeah, it's probably pretty common that they're just trying to get you some help. But I always hear horror stories about those tubes going in. And like you said, maybe sometimes you don't always remember or is not as scared in the, when it goes in, because hopefully by that point you have some medication or some painkillers in your system. But yeah, by the time it comes out, you're, you're better and you're not on a whole lot. And you're just like, what is this? <laughs> I was, I was like super nervous for them to take it out, but it honestly, Ended up not being bad at all. It was just like a little pinch, so it was all right. And so you mentioned before you're on the Super Mini that you did up before that crash. You were on Suzuki. Was it the amateur program, or what were you riding for? Yeah, it was the Suzuki had their little factory amateur team that they had. It was for a while. It was me, TJ Rios, Crockett Myers, Nico Caps for a little bit, 
and it was a solid little team. They were great to me. Suzuki helped us with everything we needed. It's just at one point I felt like I was just a little underpowered compared to the other guys. And we had to go out on our own for a year and, and buy bikes and risk it a little bit. But I knew if we were, if we were going out on our own, I had to win. So that's what we had to do. I think it's pretty crazy if you look back at back in the day, Suzuki was one of the top amateur programs. They had Izzy, they had Millsaps, they had Tomac, I mean, Treadle. Like it was a big, powerful amateur program that they had in the amateur scene. They still have it with they have Bar X and stuff like that, but the just development of the bike hasn't been there like the other bikes. So it's it's kind of sad to see that program, I wouldn't say die, but dwindle into where it's not the powerhouse that it used to be. So I definitely get it when you say you felt like, you know, you needed to make the change to get on a better equipment to do better things because bikes at that point are a pretty big deal. Right. And the another big factor to it was I was just kind of hanging in for the long run because it's the it was their factory amateur team and they had JGR at that point and that was the the end goal and it had that that pathway to pro. So that's what we were sticking around for. And then as soon as JGR went went down, it was kind of like what are we here for? Like, there's nowhere to go yeah. now because that was before Bar X was the factory team and it's still, so we were just like, there's nowhere really to go. So it's time to switch it up. Yeah. When you left Suzuki, you said you did it on your own that one year. Did you have any options to go somewhere else or were you guys just like, Hey, we're going to do a year on our own. You would think, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, we didn't have anything really. If there was another option, we probably would have taken it. But I guess what I did so far wasn't enough for anyone to, want me so we had to we had to go out on our own buy bikes for a year thankfully uh wmr down here in florida dealership sponsored me for that year gave us some discount on some bikes and that helped for sure and then i had fox and and monsters it was a little difficult but a lot of pressure because if i didn't get a ride that year or maybe the next year then we weren't gonna go on to big bikes by ourselves yeah and i think that's a that's tough and i, I talked to a few other kids on these podcasts, it's interesting that you have some people get all the support and then you have guys that are right there that ultimately have to do something on their own to either make it or break it. You know, that's a big risk you guys took. And like you said, I mean, obviously it's worked out good now, but at the time you don't know, it's probably pretty, pretty stressful. Yeah, for sure. I had that, that good year in uh, 20, 2020 Minios was my first race on not a Suzuki and I won six titles at Minios and that basically kicked it off. I had to race Deegan there in Super Mini and I beat him in both Super Mini titles on Supercross and that that was a real confidence booster and I feel like I got my name out there but then still feel like we could have gotten something for the rest of the year but we still had to go out on our own for the rest and won a lot more titles at the Spring Nationals and then for the next year um, Husky came up to us and gave me a, a deal with the 125. Like uh, like the Orange Brigade deal, but on a on a Husqvarna for the 125 last year, and that worked out well, and here we are now. So looking back, you're on that Gas Gas Super Mini, and you had like you mentioned Fox and Monster, and then I remember you getting that Husky deal, but you still kept Fox. I don't know if you kept Monster, but I thought that was odd because usually everybody on the Husqvarna was under the Rockstar tent. So was it different because you had your own personal sponsors? How did that all work out? Right. So I think it was last year. It was really the Kickstarter for it was the Austrian brands wanted to like how they have Orange Brigade. They wanted to do that for all the brands. So for Husqvarna, it was me, Vincent Way, and 
Maddox Timmerman. It was like a an orange brigade, but on a Husqvarna. So they just give you the bikes and and graphics and support for the bikes, and we and you get to keep your own gear. And uh, I kept Monster all last year, so got to to keep my own personal sponsors and still get a a bike deal with them. But yeah, it was it was definitely the right time for for them to come up with that, I guess, for me because it it helped out tremendously and. It got me to to get the the rock star ride I have now with with the success I had on the 125 last year. So after you got on the 125 that year, how did the transition to the 250 take place? Were you guys just at a mutual agreement? Hey, it's time to move to the 250 this year. Getting off of the super mini, I wanted to go straight to 250. I didn't want to waste a year on the 125. I wanted to just get a, a year or 250 under my belt. And the only option I had was to go with the Husky 125. So we stuck with that for a year, and I guess I didn't even ride it for a full year because I rode. I got on it in October and then got off it after Loretta's in August. So, yeah, at that point, we got the deal with the Rockstar, and they wanted me to go to the 250 because they don't want to have to make a whole 125, I guess, just for me. And it was it was an interesting transition. I thought the Super Mini to 125 was going to be like the most difficult, just the frame bigger frame and heavier bike but the 250 transition was not very smooth for me because I think it was I started riding it back in May like just occasionally and then when I first uh, fully transitioned and fully got off the 125s I think it was like my first week fully committing to the 250 and I crashed pretty bad and I'd go to the hospital again and like ended up with like a bruised lung or something (laughs) and uh they they let me go, but they were like, "Don't ride for like four four to six weeks." And I was like, "I feel pretty good." So uh, I went back and rode, and I was starting to get ready in October for straight rhythm. I still had one of my one twenty fives, and we were just gonna kit it out with Rockstar stuff and run straight rhythm. And it was two weeks after I crashed before on the two fifty. I was riding Supercross, getting ready for that on the two fifty, and I crashed in the whoops and broke my thumb. So that was. Uh, tough as well and we couldn't even go to the same hospital because I wasn't supposed to be riding yet (laughs) from the previous one so we went to a different hospital turns out it was broke and then uh yeah I missed out on straight rhythm still went out there and watched but I had a a broke thumb and didn't really get to get back on the bike for a month a little over maybe six weeks so didn't really get on the bike on the 250 till middle of November I got back on the bike and I started with some outdoors and then didn't have I had basically a month to prepare for Anaheim too. So I was I was stoked to be able to get a podium there with not much time on the bike at all. Yeah, so you've only been on that 250, I mean, in reality for a few months. That's that's pretty crazy because I was going to ask you about the the A2 Supercross Futures. Um, but before that, what was the hardest thing about the transition to the 250? Was it just the weight and you were just so small or what was hard for you to to transition to it? Yeah, it was the the weight for sure. I was I got on it trying to trying to ride it like a 125 because I was so confident on that bike and I could just throw it around. And uh, I learned real quick that you cannot do that. <laughs> it put me in check and told me to respect it really fast. So yeah, the weight was huge because that's that's what caused basically the first crash was just I swapped out and couldn't hold the bike under me and I wasn't strong enough. So we really had to work on building some muscle and and getting bigger, adding more weight to me. And I definitely helped out for getting more comfortable on the bike and making it feel like mine. So 
I feel like recently when I went out to California in the, the beginning of January for Anaheim 2, I wasn't even fully comfortable on the bike yet. And that, uh, that little trip helped me out a lot as well, just getting confident and having to learn whoops and a 250 at the same time was a struggle as well. So we're, we're starting to get it dialed in. That's pretty impressive for not having a whole lot of time on the bike at all and a few injuries to go to Anaheim 2 and race your first futures race, first time on a pro supercross track and to get a second. I don't know if that, what your expectations were going in, but I'm assuming that beat your expectations. For sure. I, I looked at the, the list beforehand and with all these A guys, I was thinking I would have been happy to get a, a top, top 10, honestly, and top, top five, top 10 would have been, I would have been over the moon with. And I went out and it was qualifying on Friday and ended up second behind Hayden. I was like, oh, we're here. And, and I was, I was so stoked on that. And then went into Saturday and pulled the whole shot. and my immediate thought was, I'm not supposed to be up here. <laughs> and it got a little, uh, the nerves got to me a little bit and made some mistakes and ended up getting second. But I was, after the race, I was obviously stoked with getting second, but a little kind of disappointed in myself with the mistakes I made. Cause I feel like if I didn't make, I had to roll the triple one lap, almost crashed in the whoops one lap. If I didn't make some of these mistakes, I feel like I could have been up there competing for the win with Daxon. Yeah. Although he rode, he rode really good and he's, really good supercross rider but i feel like at a2 i could have had a more fighting chance if i had uh had just calmed down a little bit and been patient and took my time what was the experience the first time rolling out of the tunnel in the first even if it was friday practice at a2 what what if, what was that feeling just rolling out that tunnel and you're like well i'm here it's it's definitely different on saturday night so rolling out the tunnel you see the the lights shining down on the track and and everyone just sitting down there looking at you especially sitting on the gate when the the 30 second card comes up you just look around and everyone's everyone's looking down getting ready to watch you and uh makes it a little bit nerve-wracking i would say but i enjoyed it and especially after that race the the nerves were kind of gone and now it was it was hammered down and we're ready to go in arlington again i was just ready to get back out get back out there and get after it again because the first race jitters were gone and now it was time to go and go and ride how we know how to ride and in Arlington and that was a good race ended up for me as well just Dax was on another level compared to us to beat some A guys again was a good accomplishment for me and you ended up second at Arlington too right I did yep I think it's cool this year that they're having the the futures running the night program I know they were before they were the day after on Sunday but I think it's it really makes the program pretty cool to have the futures in the night program like that. Fans get a chance to see you guys and also just gives you guys that experience of racing under the lights with all the people. Um, I think it's a step in the right direction. For sure. And especially it's good for exposure on TV as well because they televise them all. So it's a, a cool experience. And I'm, I'm actually super happy with how they're doing it this year. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to get another good result at Glendale has been the biggest surprise for you in the transition to Supercross. And now that you've ridden a few pro Supercross tracks that you look at some guys and you're just like, wow, they make it look really easy. What has kind of stood out to you? When we're training at, at Baker's, I'm training with the, the top guys. You've got Coop and, and AP and RJ. And you see these guys training every day, just 
smoking me. <laughs> I'm out here trying to like, I'm trying my best. I'm like, I don't understand how they're going so fast. And it's definitely uh, impressive to watch these guys every day and definitely can learn and, and watch them, especially even Tom. I feel like he's adjusted pretty well. And with how he does the practice track, I feel like he's got some more in him. And I hope to see him on the podium before the season's over. Yeah, he's been impressive. He's had some, he's had some rough races, right? I mean, you have to treat him like a rookie, even though he has all the experience overseas. But mm. I mean, the dude never rode Supercross before, and you can see the speeds there, right? It's just, it's just getting comfortable. I would put it it's like you guys getting comfortable on Supercross. That you know, you guys are almost in the same boat, where you're transitioning. You guys are trying to get comfortable, where some of these other guys have, you know, a lot of years racing and riding Supercross. So it's just getting comfortable. I think it's also pretty cool that when you're at the practice track, you can gauge your speed off RJ or Coop, and you can see, you know what is needed to get to that level, right? You're not guessing. You're like, okay, that's kind of the top of the class, and how far off am I, and what do I need to do to get better to close that gap? Right, yeah. It's definitely nice being able to train with the the top guys in the class because, as you said, you can see – you can see what the top level guys are doing. And I, I, I'm i sitting here. I know I'm doing the, the same amount of riding as them and the same workouts and, and everything. But, um, yeah, it just comes with time and experience to to get that level, to to get that speeder on the track. Is there a rider that you look up to most? It could be a current or past rider. Was there ever anyone that you looked up to and you're like, man, his style or the way he rode or even how they carry themselves was something that you wanted um, to emulate i used to always look up to villapoto he was my he was my guy and i loved watching him ride and i guess to more modern day racers i was good buddies with ken and uh, i look up to how he carries himself on and off the track and then i love how coop rides like his his uh grit and determination towards the end of these races is is something you always want to look up to too so just a a mix of multiple riders and that's uh, how I want to make myself. Yeah, it's crazy. Obviously, Coop is very fast, but you know, you look at guys like Sexton and some of the other guys that can raw speed wise can go faster than him. But he just has that X factor where no matter what, he's gonna he's gonna be there. And if he's there at the end of the race, you you gotta watch out. I think it's it's pretty crazy where he he just finds puts himself in the right position, and then he capitalizes when he needs to. For sure. He's he's not going to get tired. <laughs> That's for sure. Well, cool. Um, you mentioned race, racing Hayden growing up, and then in the Supercross Futures, racing Dax. And then you have a, a teammate, Talon, who made the jump to East Coast Supercross. Is that something you're looking forward to? You're excited about? Some of the guys you've raced are now racing pro, and then the guys you ride with are racing pro. Is that something you're really looking forward to? Yeah, I'm excited to... To get to the pro ranks, you definitely race a lot more, a lot more races, a lot harder on on the body, and a lot more travel. But I enjoy it with everything being on time schedule and knowing where you need to be when you need to be. It's it's nice, especially like these amateur races, these spring nationals. It's quite stressful all day to say if you're like race twenty, you don't know if they're gonna get to your race today or not. So you're sitting around all day like preparing. To one day at spring eating, I was sitting in the camper all day getting ready. And I got dressed and walked out the camper to go get on my bike to go down to staging. And they were like, all right, your first photo in the morning. I was like, nice. I'm going to go get back undressed now. 
And that's what I like about the pro schedule. Everything's on time, so you don't have to worry about doing any of that. Obviously, these amateur nationals are are big and important, but hope one day they have some sort of like they're doing with the futures and the combines, and they have more of those into where that's kind of the net, that's the step that you'd go to as an amateur before you make the move to pro is you can have those other spring nationals and Loretta stuff like that. But if they had like a supercross futures series and then a outdoor motocross series for amateurs, I think that would be more realistic and get kids ready for what they're going into more than these one-off amateur nationals. Yeah, I agree 100%. And I like the way they're going with these combines and futures. It's definitely taking a, a more professional direction and I, I'm liking it and I'm glad that I'm in the generation to where we can experience this stuff uh, coming up because I feel like it's it's much tougher for the guys that are rookies and don't get to have any experience racing under the lights or on a on a pro track and have to get thrown straight into the deep end like how Voland had to. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's definitely like it helps uh, progress and get more comfortable in these situations before you go pro. Yeah, and you feel sorry for some of those guys that came up that were really successful amateurs um, before the combines and the futures were in place. And then you see them get in the sport, get two years, and then the sport just spits them out. And I think that what they're doing with the amateur program and the Supercross futures and combines is helping with that. I mean, obviously, there will still be some that don't make it. But before, man, it was just spitting people out right and left. So I think it was just broken and something needed to happen. Yeah, I definitely agree with the... The style of having a, a supercross and motocross like championship and that be the amateur style instead of these just one-off amateur races throughout the year because i mean you look at loretta's now you could have a pretty much bad year and then go win two titles at loretta's and you've got teams knocking on your door it's such a big race and a lot of pressure for for one event and if if you end up with a bad start or have one bad moto and you're out of the championship there, then it's kind of like you're just overlooked. And that's a that's a, a bit of a problem, I feel like, because these pro races, you know, you have a bad weekend. You have the next weekend to go redeem yourself. You have a bad week at Loretta's. It's like, Your year's okay, over. wait a year. <laughs> it's like, yeah. wait till next year. So, Yeah, and, I, and that track is, I mean, you have better experience than I do. That track itself is nothing like a pro motocross national or a supercross track. And so, to put all of that weight on that one race, like you said, that make or break for some kids, hopefully we'll move away from that. Yeah, for sure. I get the championship side of it and the national championship side, and um, I see, but, you know, it's definitely if they had more opportunities, which they do now as the combines, you can go in and the teams are there watching, so you can go and prove yourself there. But before it was kind of like you have these spring nationals and Loretta's and that's kind of it where the the teams are really watching so yeah and last thing uh what are what are your plans so you race two futures races sounds like you're going to do the future futures race in glendale what else are you have planned for 2023 you have any moto combines outdoors you're going to do or what does it look like the plan is to do glendale and then salt lake city for the the final then the moto combines hopefully do all of those get some more outdoor practice under our belt and then maybe after Loretta's to see if we can throw in a pro outdoor round to get my feet wet or something maybe there and yeah we'll see and then run a next year I think is the plan so just see where the road takes us it's pretty much up to the team yeah and how long do you have on that rockstar deal that you have 
It's a two-year deal right now, so I'm halfway through the first year. Are you pushing to get in one outdoor this year? Because I know they changed that rule, right? You can race so many until you get so many points. Are you really pushing to do an outdoor this year, or are you just kind of taking it day by day? And, and if you're ready, then you'll cross that bridge when you get there. Yeah, I really feel like how, how I progress on the bike and how comfortable I get on the outdoor races, and especially with how Loretta's goes this year. If Loretta's goes great, and I feel like I'm ready to maybe go do one and get my feet wet a little bit, maybe we will. But if not, it's not the end of the world because coming back to amateurs for the next year anyways, I think. So no no big deal. Yeah, are you ever looking at, you, you see Hayden and, and Chance already racing pro, or you're like, man, I want to go there. Like you said, you're just... You're just taking it, doing your own thing, and it'll be you'll be there when it's when it's time for you to be there. Yeah, I kind of think about it like that. Like um, Hayden's obviously had a an extra year on the bike compared to me, and, and so has Chance. He's been on two fifty for a while, so kind of just doing our own thing, not really worrying about it. Time's not a a huge problem. We're still young. I'm sixteen, so got some time to get there. You can look at Levi. He's older and still making it work so no no rush and just looking to to go when i'm ready yeah i think that's a good approach like you said you're young you don't want to jump in too early when you, you're not ready because you know you have i wouldn't say one opportunity to make it but the first couple of years are pretty important to get some longevity so i think taking the right approach is always pretty smart and important i appreciate you taking the time today do you have any sponsors you'd like to thank yeah, just the whole the whole Rockstar Energy Husqvarna team. And uh, yeah, the guys, Baker Factory, my agent, <laughs> uh, Beaker, and yeah, everyone who puts in the work behind the scenes uh, to make these dreams happen. Well, cool, man. Good luck and stay injury-free, and hopefully we'll see you on the podium in Glendale again. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me.